Hey ladies, and welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host, and I am so glad you are here listening today. This is a podcast by a 20-something for 20-somethings in hopes that we can be encouraged, inspired, and challenged in this crazy time of life. So grab something refreshing and let's get going. What's up, ladies, and happy Thanksgiving week. You guys, I am so ready for some pumpkin pie, some stretchy pants, and that Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Yes, I really enjoy that. Anybody else out there? Okay, cool. Anyways, Turkey Day aside, today I have David Marvin on the show, and he gave his time for us to discuss anxious thoughts and clarify biblical teachings on anxiety. He gives practical tips on how to face anxiety head on, ultimately by giving it over to the Lord. I loved this conversation with David, and I hope that you um, enjoyed as much as I did. So I'm so thankful for his time and the wisdom that he has to share. So let's get on with it. Well, welcome back, Mr. David. It's been a minute, but I'm excited to have you back on the podcast. Man, thank you for having me. It's so fun to get to be back and and uh, just to hear all that God has done through yes. you and through your podcast. And um, four years ago, we were just yeah. talking about it before the show. Yeah. And I just that's crazy. It's been that long. So, man, I I'm know. so pumped to be back and and love what God is doing and, and honored to get to jump into a conversation. Heck yeah. I, I, I seriously can't like, it's like the whole, you know, COVID was like three years in one, but it yes. also doesn't feel that long ago since I talked to you, but it also feels like forever ago at the same time. I feel like it just really messed up my timeline, but yeah, we were saying you were on episode 19. So if anybody wants to go back to the baby days of water with lemon and listen to our first episode, <laughs> yes. it was way back there, <laughs> man, go back. I love it. Yes. And, uh, yeah. You had just kicked off and you're covering hot topics out the gate. That's and right. I love That's it, right. Man. Way to go. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about what life looks like for you these days, David. Yeah. So I bet I had a one-year-old then, which is crazy. Yeah. That is COVID nuts. did. COVID was like the weirdest, longest, shortest, didn't count. And yet, you know, it was so brutal for everyone, but mm-hmm. it warped all the time. Now I have, he's five, about to be six. So maybe he was one or two then. And uh, wow. we have a three-year-old daughter, three and a half-year-old daughter. So crew, our son, Man, our crew is our five-year-old. Our daughter, Monroe, who's three. We've got a baby boy coming in January. I lead a ministry called The Porch in Dallas, Texas which is a gathering of young adults on Tuesday nights. If you're in Dallas, there's also 15 different satellite locations. I don't know how many we had when we talked the first time, but in nine states around the country. Dang, I didn't realize that. That's awesome. It's super fun. And just God is just, it's one of those like, man, no one can explain it other than God. Mm, Absolutely. That's, That's what's going on there. And dropped a book on anxiety about yes three weeks ago i don't know when this will come out but and um so that has been the forefront of kind of things lately we're in a series on anxiety at the porch and it just mm, on the topic of COVID, yeah yeah totally covid anxiety was already spiking and was at epidemic proportions where this the young adult generation now is three times more likely than the one behind it to have anxiety mm. disorders and depressive disorders 
and COVID only dramatically increased that. And so yeah, trying to help connect the dots on what God's word teaches about anxiety. And that's really the heart of the book. My wife is a counselor and we love, I love the counseling profession, have benefited from it. And um, yet for Christians, God's word is to be our first line of defense. And mm-hmm. the reason I, I, I'd never had a plan to write a book or that just wasn't, I wasn't opposed to it, but never, some people just want to, or feel like a burning passion to do that. That wasn't me. And a publisher had pitched it and pitched some ideas and I said no. And then they came back and said, would you consider something on anxiety? It's a passion point for your wife. It's what she sees people for. And we cover it all the time at the porch. Mm-hmm. And so prayed about it. And, and we thought if we could write a resource that explained what the Bible actually teaches, because in my experience, most Christians don't actually understand what it teaches. They assume it says, stop, yeah. pray more, just trust. Mm. And... Um, And so we began to pray through, man, if we could help actually explain how way more helpful the principles God has given us to be a first line of defense and not Mm -hmm. the one-stop shop end all be all, but as Christians, we never outgrow the Bible. And so anything, counseling, medication, anything in addition to that is a good supplement. It's not a good replacement for God's word. Mm. And yet in order for God's word to really be applied, it's got to be understood. And so that put us on a journey and began to work with, um, you know, a bunch of friends to create this resource. And, uh, and God has just been really, really good. And it's been fun to see how, um, what he's doing with it and, and most encouraging. I mean, you know, there's mm. an, anytime you create resources, the most encouraging thing is not numbers and sales and all that. It's, it's stories of people going, yeah. man, this really, really helped me. And, um, so that's been really, really fun and excited to be on here to talk a little bit about it. Yeah, absolutely. I love, I love the title of it. We're all freaking out. Yes. (laughs) I was like, that is so creative and so true because seeing that like originally it's like, uh uh-huh. Yes, that is true. We are all (laughs) freaking out. Yes. And why we don't have to. And so, you know, what kind of led you to that title? Okay. So I don't want to take, well, I'll take as much time as you want, but, um, so that (laughs) title, I never would have thought about that title and like, I love it. And I, but in isolation, I don't think I ever in a million years would have got there. I was, um, (laughs) there's a friend of mine who's an author who Jenny Allen, who actually is, is who endorsed it on the cover of it. I was telling her, we were talking about anxiety and I, I started working on this before COVID. Like we had, we had, uh, worked with a publisher and it was all in place. Oh, really? And then, yeah. And then COVID hit and, um, and I still didn't have a title for the book and I bumped into her, Jenny, who's, uh, she leads if gathering is amazing author, way incredible, um, way gifted speaker. And I bumped into her one day, she goes to my church and we were talking and catching up. And I said, I need, I don't have a book title. I need to pick your brain. And she said, meet in my office today, 2 PM we will name your book. I walk into the (laughs) if gathering, which is her ministry. Mm -hmm. I get there, get there to, I'm basically like, she's like, come on in here, go into this room. And it's like all of her staff team, these, all these incredibly sharp gifted girls. And she's like, sit down. And I'm just like in this circle of lionesses. And she says, start talking about your book. (laughs) And she's asking questions and, and trying to get fleshing out like what it's about, who it's for, what and she flips in the manuscript to one of the early pages and the subtitle says, we're all freaking out. And she nice. laughs and says, 
that is your book title. Mm. And she said, uh, it was just funny to, to hear, you know, just the perspective. Cause I had ideas like, you know, attacking anxiety or first line into like all these different things that she was like, Oh, oh no, none of that. <laughs> you need to say it like people feel it and are experiencing yeah. it. And then you need to work all of that through the book because mm. that is exactly how people feel. Um, they feel like we're freaking out and we have moments of that and sometimes seasons of that. And yet if we yield to the principles God has given us, we can experience a lot of freedom from that. Mm. And so that was the path that, um, so then I took it and pitched it to the publisher, not knowing, you know, when you say we're all freaking out and why we don't need to, what they're going to think. And they immediately came back and were like, man, we love it. And mm. we think it communicates the heart of this book. And, um, and so that was fun. That's awesome. <laughs> that was yeah. like one of my favorite things, just like the, the title and the cover. It was like, mm-hmm, yes, we need this right now. I <laughs> uh, love it. And so, you know, kind of when you were giving us a little bit of a summary of it in the beginning, you know, you talked first about how, you know, our generation, this generation here of, you know, kind of millennial slash Gen Z, is that what's under millennial? Just like that kind of generation is just really just the most anxious and even more so than upcoming and older. Like, why do you think that is that um, young adults are so anxious? I think there's a number of reasons. I think the explosive transformation of our world is a huge factor. Like so much change in such a short period of time is stressful. And by that, I mean, there's a study done in 2010 that I referenced in the book that concluded that in the past 30 years, and this was in 2010, that in the 30 years before 2010, the world had changed as much as the past 300 combined. And that was 10 years ago. I mean, that was before iPads, Alexa, Instagram, Netflix, Uber. I mean, think how much it's changed since then. Right. And you take all of that and then you take the digital connections that we have and the ability to feed comparison through social media, the ability to feed. And by comparison, comparison is a huge factor in anxiety because Mm -hmm. I can go and Instagram becomes a to-do list where I'm reminded of what everyone else is doing and has that I don't of, man, they're engaged. I'll probably be single forever or look how amazing their life is and their house is. And it just can feed Mm -hmm. something like I'm anxious or I'm insecure or I'm not enough. And so I think there's a number of of reasons. And as the church, I think we have seen this explosive epidemic and we have not talked about mental health enough and often pushed people outside of the church and if you struggle with anxiety and mental health, man, go see a counselor or psychiatrist um, intentionally or unintentionally, because that's where you need to go. And Mm. tragically, God has a lot to say that psychology is still catching up with. And to use one example on that um, as a showing of, Hey, not applying or understanding God's word. One example that I go to is Philippians chapter four is a verse that I think people read and they hear, hey, don't be anxious, just pray, which is not what Paul is saying. In the verse, he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So basically pray and supplicate or pray and talk to God. Let your requests be made known to God. Talk to God. And the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Hmm. What people read that and they think Paul's saying is don't worry, just pray. The Greek word that Paul uses is a Greek word that is the word merim now. 
New Testament was written in Greek originally. So when we translated it up to English, it had do not be anxious. But the Greek word merimnau is a Greek word synonymous with meditation. So Paul is mm. saying, don't meditate on fearful and anxious thoughts. Mm. So in other words, Paul is not saying, hey, never have an anxious thought in life, just pray. That's impossible. That's what people think he's saying, but that's not true. And that's not even possible. Right. What Paul is saying is don't meditate, don't choose to dwell on and meditate on fearful and anxious mm. thoughts when they come. Mm. That is possible. And which is why he goes in that passage. And if you read it or anybody listening reads it later, you'll see immediately after he says, don't be anxious, but um, don't dwell on those, meditate on those anxious thoughts, pray about them and rather dwell or meditate. Think about what is true, noble, lovely, worthy of praise. Mm. And so he says, don't meditate on those, rather meditate on these. And that's just one example of the ways that Christians uh, often read and they just think, oh man, Paul just said, don't worry, just pray more, which is mm-hmm. not helpful, is not true. It's way more helpful to that because I can choose what I choose to dwell on and focus on and right. meditate on. And so all throughout the book is really tracing. I wish I would have used the language, uh, the sentence I'm about to say in the book because it kind of hit me afterwards. It's all I'm trying to do is trace the pathways towards peace that God has already. By trace, I know you're a a teacher, so you'll get like my (laughs) son is trying to learn how to write. And how do you learn to write? You trace over a C and you trace Mm -hmm. over a D and you trace over an E. It's already there. And you just trace along what's already the truth that's already there. Mm -hmm. And that's really my heart in the book is to just totally rip off what God has said and explain how it's way more helpful than most Christians in my experience, even understand and just trace over the pathways towards peace. God has already given us. Mm, That's good. I like that's not, that's something I've never really thought of before. I've just, you know, that it's more about, you know, not dwelling on it because like you said, it's literally impossible for us to just not have an anxious thought. Do not, you know, be anxious. Do not worry. Do not, do not, do not. And that's what a lot of people hear, you know, and it's not God's heart, you know, that's not, that's not what he wants for us. And so, you know, maybe switching over to worry a little bit, because I know that there's, you know, discrepancies between like, what is worry and what is anxiety? And like, you know, kind of, kind of understanding maybe the difference between those. And then like, how does, how does knowing the difference help us identify which one it is kind of thing? Yeah. I think that that's one of the hardest things about approaching a subject like this is we throw out terms and people have different meanings associated with those terms. So if I say I'm worried about, you know, my interview tomorrow, or if I say I'm anxious about it, or if I say I have anxiety about it, different people may interpret that differently. Right. And psychologically, the Bible doesn't distinguish between those terms. It interchangeably uses the same Greek word, now, dwelling mm. on, fixating on future potential problems or future potential fears. It uses the same one. Now, that's not to say there aren't things that could be classified as generalized anxiety disorders or uh, physiological. Um, like, let me use an example that will kind of address the bigger picture perspective on anxiety that actually I learned from a, a counselor that I'd gone to. 
And um, I was talking with him about anxiety when we we're talking about the same idea of like, hey, what's the difference between this? And he said, it's important to understand that we use all those terms synonymously. And generally, when people say I have anxiety, they mean one of a couple things. They mean something that would be similar to saying, I have a problem with my computer. And if I was to tell you I have a problem with my computer, if you stopped and thought about it, you'd know, well, that means one of two things. It either means there's a problem with the hardware, as in like the physical components, the screen, the keyboard, the battery, Mm -hmm. or there's a problem with the software. There's a virus. It needs to be updated. There's something going on on the software that's harming it. Mm-hmm. And in this book, or in anxiety is a similar way that when they say I have anxiety, they either mean there's a problem with the hardware, which could be physiological or biological. I have a serotonin deficiency. I have a hormonal imbalance or something off, or there's something uh, wrong with the software or something problem or problematic with the software, which would be the spiritual elements, the emotional elements or psychological elements. And mm-hmm. that just is a big word for our wiring and our past experiences, whether good or bad or traumatic or helpful. And so in this book, I try to address and really focus on, because the Bible doesn't distinguish between those terms, and it is less about a generalized anxiety disorder, which is the topic of my book, is less about that, more about the software elements of the spiritual um reasons behind anxiety, the emotional and psychological. Not to say there are not times where someone does have an anxiety disorder or there's a hormonal imbalance or something, but I categorize those together. And hopefully anybody listening that is like, well, I've been diagnosed with a post-traumatic stress disorder. I categorize worry and anxiety together, not to dismiss anxiety Mm -hmm. disorders, but rather just to bring clarity where the Bible uses those terms interchangeably. So that's where I use them interchangeably. Mm -hmm. That's great. I love that analogy. Um, I think that gives a really clear picture of um, maybe how you could distinguish because you're right, you know, as disorders and things have kind of um, come up more and more and not to say that, you know, I think part of it is to do with more of us uh, are dealing with it, but that there's more awareness for it as well, you know, to kind of understand, you know, how to help people who are struggling with that. And so, yes, you know, one of the, um, one of the things I was thinking about, and as I was reading your book, uh, was a couple of years ago, I think you were speaking on anxiety. I'm trying to remember, I think it was at launch or something like that. Um, when you talked about how, you know, if, um, if I trust God with my eternity, uh, then I can trust him with, you know, whatever it is that you're worried about. If it's, you know, a presentation, if it's a, um, job interview, if it's, you know, whatever, fill in the blank with whatever you're worried about, like then we can trust him, you know? And so, I feel like that one fits more in with that category of worry. Um, And so, you know, how can we kind of figure out what it is that we are so worried about and like maybe the root of that? Yeah, I I think that's a key thing that rarely people do whenever they feel anxiety is they Mm -hmm. rarely stop to chase down what's behind the fears and the feelings that I have and what may be the lies that I'm believing as it relates to the anxious 
feelings, thoughts, and, and just the anxiousness that I have. And by that, I mean, they rarely stop to go, man, I'm in a dating relationship. I'll use this as an example. And I'm dating someone and I feel like super anxious over the fact that we've had a couple conflicts and that creates them going, maybe they're not the one, maybe I shouldn't be in a relationship with them. And the reason is because they were raised in a home where they intentionally or unintentionally were taught the message that if anxiety, or I'm sorry, if conflict happens, that's a bad thing. And so they had parents that either did never fight in front of them or they had parents that fought all the time and it enforced this message that like, oh man, if conflict happens, this is really, really, really bad. And so that fuels an anxiety that makes them go, I need to break up with this person or this is not the one because we have conflict. Mm -hmm. Now, if you hit pause and you go, what does the Bible actually say about conflict? It would say conflict is not a bad thing. If anything, it's an opportunity if done well and handled well to honor God and to strengthen relationships by working through that conflict. So they're experiencing anxiety or they're experiencing anxiety, excuse me, based on a lie that some point or at some point in their story, they began to believe about conflict. And so they've picked up this idea that if I have conflict, it's a bad thing, which is not true. And that is the mm. result of believing a lie. And that can happen in a thousand different directions. Or maybe you were told, you know, when you were young, that the most important thing in life, parents say this all the time, and it's so detrimental because it mm. reinforces a lie that causes anxiety later. The most important thing in life, you know, is having a good job and having a good paying job. Mm. And then they graduate from college and the pandemic hits and it threatens mm-hmm. their job or they lose their job and they find themselves going, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so out of control. I feel so anxious. And it's because they have been told or they somewhere bought this idea in their subconscious that the quote, most important thing in life is having a good job. And now that's mm-hmm. being threatened and that's being fueled or that anxiety is being fueled by a lie. So. Mm-hmm. I think through community, through having other believers in your life, it's not always easy to see, hey, what are the lies that are fueling the anxious thoughts that I'm having? But mm. there are things that are fueling that anxiety. And only by chasing them down and facing them will we step in the dire- direction of experiencing freedom from them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true. And that's that's not often where we want to go. We don't want to have to go, no. okay, what is the root of this? Like... Uh, I'm worried about this thing. I'm having trouble in this area of my life, you know, but I'm not willing to do the hard work and figure out like what that stems from. What, what was I told? Right. Like you were saying, what, you know, did I grow up believing or whatever it is? That was the root. We don't want to have to deal with that, but a lot of times that's the hard work that we need to do to, to be able to kind of, um, you know, figure out why we're so worried. And instead, I think we turn to like numbing out in whatever capacity that looks like instead of having to do that. And so maybe kind of, you know, last kind of thing to talk about here about anxiety might be, you know, what encouragement do you have for um, just, you know, young adults, 20 somethings, anybody who's listening that really is struggling with anxiety or worry uh, anywhere in that capacity. And, um, is just trying to figure out how to yeah. find peace and, and is probably, you know, we're all guilty of this, of just looking for it in the wrong yeah. areas. 
Yeah. You know, I would give them an equation that I hope is helpful. And first I would say, if you are not a follower of Jesus, uh, you experiencing peace in this life, it has a really low ceiling or your ability mm-hmm. to experience it because ultimately without knowing Jesus and the hope we have in Christ and what he did on the cross, dying for us, paying for everyone's sin that is willing to accept what he did for them. Mm-hmm. He's called the Prince of Peace. And if you don't have a relationship with him, you're not going to have peace in this life or the next. But yeah. assuming those listening are, are Christians, there's a, a formula that I think is really, it was at least really helpful for me, still is really helpful for me. And it is two words fuel a lot of our anxiety. It's a question of what if, mm-hmm. what if I'm single forever? What if my wife dies and I'm left to raise our three kids alone? What if my mom gets sick of COVID and passes away? What if I lose my job? What if I, you could insert a million different what ifs that go through our head that create anxious and fearful thoughts. Yeah. And one thing I encourage in the book is to answer the what if. So answer that what if. Like so often there's this vague feeling of fear that we never chase down those. Well, what if I'm single for forever? What if I actually do lose, you know, my job and I can't afford to pay rent or my car payment or whatever? Like answer the what if. For me, I'll mm-hmm. use the most extreme example I could think of of what if what if something happened to my wife, Callie, who we've been married nine years, like I said, two kids, one on the way. What if something happened to her? Mm. answering that question allows me to face it and to isolate that fear and then reinforce what's true from God's word. So I'll walk through that. What if something happened to my wife tragically? Then I would walk through probably the hardest season and time in my life. Mm -hmm. That would be so painful. And likely I can't imagine how hard that would be, but God would be with me and God would sustain me. And God has promised that he will never leave me nor forsake me. He's promised that every painful moment in this life, he will use for good. He's promised that this life is a vapor. And as hard as that is for me to believe, there's going to come a moment where for all of eternity, I see that even the most painful moments he was at work in. And so by answering the what if, you remove some of the power of that anxiety by saying, what if? Mm -hmm. Well, then this would happen. But God would. And that's where we cling to the promises. And really, it's just following the pattern Jesus laid out in Matthew chapter six, when he taught about this subject in the Sermon on the Mount. And does that make the fear go away or does that prevent something tragic from happening or bad things from happening? No, but it allows you to face those fears that we're so often too afraid to face. And in doing so, it deflates some of the power that they have because Mm -hmm. we're reminded that even if that happened, this is still true about God. This is still true about what, God says about me. And Mm -hmm. so for anyone wondering there, that's a super practical thing that I think really does begin to alleviate. Like, what if I'm single for forever? Then that would really suck or that would really stink or that would really not be what I would want. Mm -hmm. But God would get me through it. God has not allowed me to experience anything more according to 1 Corinthians 10 than I can bear. God has promised that life can be satisfying and fulfilled even without being married. Jesus had a fulfilled life, even though he wasn't married. And so walking through that, what if then I would, but God, I think removes and deflates some of that power. And if you're listening right now, I'd encourage you to walk through that and cling to those promises. And maybe you don't know the promises of God. 
And that's where you can tell other people or invite other people in your life, man, I'm afraid of this. Mm-hmm. But I think you'll experience some level of freedom and diminishing the power of anxiety by just answering that question. What if? Answer the what if. Play it out. Then God, or I mean, answer the what if it would be. What if? Then this would happen or I would feel, but God. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll experience at least a degree more of peace. Yeah, that's great. And I feel like, you know, as you're explaining that, it also kind of, you know, just takes the weight off of it being so like inwardly focused, you know, you're, it's right. You, the worry and anxiety starts off with something. It's, it's you, you're like, I'm going to do yes. this, or I'm worried about this. I, 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 it's all about me and what, you know, I think life should look like, <laughs> you know, ultimately yes. it's like, we think we should be in control and that's a really horrible idea. But like you said, whenever we start going down the trail of like, okay, well, what if that happens? What if that happens? It's like, all right, I start seeing that God is in control and I'm not, and he's going to be with yeah. me. And that's like the answer yes. to all of those things. Yes. You know? <laughs> it's so right. I mean, even the way we talk about control and I know we're trying to wrap up. So I'll give this last thing. It, I think it's misleading because <laughs> we people say things like I struggle with control and mm-hmm. that I, I, joke about that's like my son saying i struggle with x-ray vision or with hulk strength (laughs) and that's why he hit his sister down which is what he's done before to use an excuse he doesn't struggle with those things he's never had those things just like i never had x-ray vision saying i struggle with control is like saying i struggle with something i've never had and will never have the reality Mm -hmm. is we struggle with not having control Mm -hmm. and the sooner we can come to accept that even though we don't we as Christians know the only one who does have control, who's mm-hmm. promised to work for our good, who has promised that anything that we face in this life, he will bring about good through eventually and certainly for all of eternity mm-hmm. and is worthy to be trusted and shoot, show that on the cross when he ultimately provided for our greatest need, that he's a provider by dying in mm-hmm. our place. And mm-hmm. so I think all of those things, the more that we live in that space, the more we begin to experience peace. And it's not a one time. The reason Jesus ends Matthew chapter six, verses 25 to 34 with today, focus on today. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You worry about today. I think is so brilliant is because that's how you fight anxiety. It doesn't go away in a one time just was fixed, but we fight it day by day, trusting and leaning and embracing the promises of God and holding on to truth. Mm, that's so good. Yes, I love it. And I'm so encouraged by just this conversation and how, you know, there really are some great, you know, tools that we can use that are, mm. that seem so simple, but could, could completely change our mindset towards a lot of the things that we're worried about in, in putting that instead towards like, what is truth instead of yes. sitting instead of sitting in this worry and anxiety. So I think this is super helpful and that my listeners are, um, you know, just going to really find uh, just ways that they can kind of already figure out, okay, what am I worried about and what can I do about it? And so yes. thank you for encouraging us in that. And I want to ask you a couple last questions that are just fun questions. Come on. <laughs> so the first one is what are you, and you can answer any of these, what are you reading, watching, listening to? It could be any or all. 
Yeah, there is a, a book that I just started um, called She Calls Me. Well, there's two books that I'm really going through. One is related to my daughter. She calls me daddy. And it's just mm-hmm. on, on raising daughters and, and, um, and raising up um, daughters to love Jesus and care for mm-hmm. their heart. And, and then there's another one that I feel like I'm the last person on the planet to read, which is the <laughs> Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer, who's uh, so awesome. Uh-huh. He's such a great guy. And, um, and which has been awesome. And I, I think is another great resource on like slowing down yeah. and resetting pace. And, and so that's been great and awesome. And then what am I listening to? Is that the other one? Yeah, there's listening and watching. Listening and watching. Man, watching, oh man, I don't know if I, I, I I'm going to just say it and it's fine. I don't endorse There's, it. This is a no judgment zone. I know but, it's, uh, you're going to say The Bachelorette, right? Oh, for sure. The Bachelorette. <laughs> I'm all about it. Uh, no, but it's Ted Lasso. That's our show right now. Yep. Um, yep. I wish there wasn't, it's a wholesome show with so much expletives, like unnecessary. Right. Of, right. It's like, like this it's was, like, this was not necessary. That's exactly right. I've told my wife that last time. I was like, this show would still be amazing. I don't know who they're adding all the F-bombs for. And right. so I wouldn't, uh, I'm not saying everybody should. That's sort of formal Just endorsement. Just the storyline. Just the characters in the storyline, not the explicit explicatives <laughs> yes and um who am i listening to um like music wise it could be podcasts it could be music it could be your children screaming man i feel like the most honest thing would be my children screaming <laughs> um and and i was listening to that's how i've been reading john mark's book so on that ah, ruthless elimination hurry. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so that that's probably the most accurate answer in addition to kids screaming yes <laughs> all the time but um but yeah it's man, about to it's get so louder fun. yeah yeah I'm like, <laughs> oh man you're so right but we don't have to freak out even when it does that's right and, um, yeah didn't mean to make you more anxious i'm sorry yeah no that's so fun <laughs> and then lastly what's refreshing you these days like anything that's just like bringing you life my kids are this is so cliche. I should come up with a, a better one. My kids are so fun. Like five and three is the yeah. sweetest season. And yeah. my uh, son is, um, they're so different. And it just is like the, mo- it's just a blast. So mm-hmm. it, it's been really fun to teach, to read, and um, just the excitement that comes. I mean, you, you're a teacher, so you see this all the time of kids yes. like learning and the excitement yeah. that comes there. And then my daughter is like, she's a ballet princess, mini oh mouse. Gosh. Oh my yes. God. It's like next level in every direction. And, um, <laughs> and has been awesome. And so that that's probably what everyone says, but that is, we're like in a really sweet, honestly, it's the season of life. You're like, man, I just want to hit pause yeah. on this time. And I want you to always not be able to say your L's and your R's <laughs> and, you know, voila. <laughs> And it just is so, so fun. So yes, (laughs) I love that. (laughs) That's awesome. It's a great, yes, yes. Those are fun ages for sure. (laughs) And I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, David. I loved having you and I just, um, was really impacted by our conversation. I think it'll be so helpful for so many. And so, um, wish you best of luck with your book and all of that. And, um, so yeah, I guess lastly, tell us how we can find your book. 
Yes. Anywhere books are sold, if you buy books other than on Amazon, they're at Barnes and Noble and um, everywhere books are sold, they're available. And um, and so it's out there. You can go to davidmarvin.org um, if you want to find out more about other resources and you can go to the porch.live to check us out and find mm-hmm. any of the 15 porch locations around you. If you're in Dallas, come see us on a Tuesday. It's just amazing yeah. to see what God is doing. And it's a really, really fun environment. And so um, the porch.live, check that out. And we're all freaking out why we don't need to wherever books are sold. But so fun to be on here. Thanks for having me back and love what God is doing through you. And keep going, sis. Thank you so much, David. Thank you guys so much for listening in today with my conversation with David. I pray that you found it as impactful as I did and hope you have just new clarity on anxiety. And David's time on the podcast has grown your trust in our true and faithful Lord. So have a happy Thanksgiving and stay fresh, my people.